Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Well, what a great way to start today. Welcome to a special show. Sorry about that. Couldn't find my mic here. It is Wednesday, and uh, we are so excited that we have with us Chris France of Talking Heads uh, here to discuss his newest book, Remain in Love. And I also have my special co-host, Spencer Drake, with me. Um, And we are going to talk about this uh, really quickly and um, talk about all these really cool stories. If you haven't seen the book, it's uh, Remain in Love. Um, And uh, Chris is going to give out, we're going to give out some links on where you can get the book and uh, talk about some of the really cool stories in here. And, of course, that was Psycho Killer. That was a, a real, <laughs> that's always been one of my all-time favorite uh, Talking Head songs, Chris. Are you there, well, Chris? I'm here. Yeah, Thank I, got, you. I, I got Chris and I got Spencer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that was a perfect song. I was going to be like, oh, Psycho Killer, such a great song. I mean, I don't think there's anyone, I mean, Everyone's heard that song. Come on, and if they uh, haven't, they've lived it, right? It's you know, it was really it was never really a hit or anything like that uh, on the radio, but it was it was an underground hit, and it's and it still is. I'm so happy, you know. You know that's that is the first song we ever wrote together. Um, Really. it's yeah. Back That's at the at, we were at the Rhode Island School of Design, and David and I had a a little band, which was strictly for for the purpose of entertaining our friends. The band we, uh-huh. we called the we called the band the Artistics, and um, we played at school parties and dances and things like that. Uh, we played a lot of cover songs, many of which were from. Lenny Kay's uh, famous compilation oh, album, Nuggets. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. The first, everybody knows Nuggets, right? Uh, right, it was right. On mm-hmm. Alexa, and the, uh, I forget the years, like from 66 to 69 or something, all these songs mm-hmm. were g- psychedelic garage band songs. And, and um, we used to cover a lot of those, and we would cover... Uh, you know, can't explain by the who and uh, really uh, wow. Just uh, we would cover uh, tracks of my tears by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Really? And, Ooh, I would and, love to hear that. We started. Yeah, <laughs> be really. great. And then we we started thinking well, maybe we could write a song on our own. You know, maybe we should try writing a song. And so. So one day David came knocking at at the painting studio that Tina and I shared at Mm -hmm. Riz. He came knocking at the door and he said, I've got the beginnings of this song and I want to play it for you. And I wonder, would you help me with it? And we said, yeah, come on in. So he played us the song and it sounded really promising to me. Uh, He had like the first, first verse and the chorus. And uh, it, it 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 sounded to Tina and I like like very extremely promising. So so he said, you know, I want to write a bridge to this song, uh, a, a, a you know, a middle section that uh, is in a foreign language. 
And I said, well, you know, Tina speaks French fluently. Maybe she could write it in French. And he said, good idea. That's a great idea. In fact, the Japanese girl that I asked to write uh, the middle verse in, in, or the middle section in Japanese, when she found out the song was called Psycho Killer, she went running in the opposite direction. <laughs> so anyway, so Tina sat down, dropped her, put her paintbrush down. We were we were preparing for our um, senior year show. This is our senior year at RISD, and um, mm-hmm. you know all year long you worked toward a show that you'll you'll have in the spring. Uh, we were we were painters. So so um Tina sat down and and wrote the the uh the French section in uh I would say uh, less than an hour's time and uh David tried it and tried it uh worked up a melody for it and it worked really well and uh then I I added a couple more verses because he only had one verse written and uh after after a, after several hours time we had this great song that s- sounded to me like a mashup between uh this is just david performing it on an acoustic guitar we you know we didn't mm-hmm. even have a band set up at the time and uh it, it sounded like a mashup between otis redding and the velvet underground uh. <laughs> so, i thought this is very and uh and that's how that song came about. Wow. That's yeah. A great story. Oh, that is great story. that is so cool. And the well, thing about it know, is, the thing funny. Ab- <laughs> the thing about it is, every time we played it, people's ears really uh-huh. perked, and they people really got into that song. Like mm. even yeah. even though they never heard it before, right, right, and right. they hadn't oh, heard really? it on or anything. And then when when well, we finally got. When we finally got, it really is. Yeah, when we finally got to New York and and CBGBs, and uh-huh. uh, we we played that song and immediately the kids at CBGBs <laughs> seemed to react very well to it. So <laughs> so it became kind of like our signature song for for quite yeah. some time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So listen, Chris, wow. I gotta, you know I. That's I designed funny. a lot of work with I, I signed a lot with Sire Records, you know that, and all those famous groups. Of course, Seymour, yeah. um, did Seymour Stein uh, say anything about that song? I'm just curious. Uh, I I don't know that he's talked about that song in particular. Uh, the so, the song that he usually refers to uh, uh, when he's talking about Talking Heads is a song called "Love Goes to Building on Fire." Which is the first mm-hmm. song he ever played, and wow. it it captivated him. He, speaking of Lenny Kay, Seymour was standing outside of CBGB's, you know, out on the sidewalk, um, uh, and he was he had come down to see the Ramones, right. and um, great story. Op- and Hilly wanted him to see the the what was supposed to be the opening act, which was the Shirts. The shirts didn't play because they'd gotten a better paying gig someplace else. So we were added to the bill, and Seymour was standing out on out on the Bowery with with Lenny Kay, and all of a sudden he heard, he heard the uh, introduction to "Love Goes to Building and Fo- on Fire," wow. and he said, 
oh, what the hell is that? That sounds great. And he, he walked in and he saw Talking Heads for the first time. And, and he tried to sign us that night to a record wow. deal. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we wow, made him wait. We made him wait eight, 18 months. It almost drove him crazy. <laughs> or, or oh, maybe, that is that is act, really funny. Maybe actually it did drive him crazy, but but <laughs> but, but uh, you know Seymour Seymour's a great. He Seymour recognizes. A, a, he, Seymour's able to see a diamond in the rough, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our case, uh, we were still very much in the rough that first time he mm-hmm. saw us. Yeah, yeah, it's a great story. Wow, that's that is a great story, and you know, I wanted to ask you um, when you and Tina went to these different, you know, gigs that you played at. Was it always some? Did you guys have a set list, or was it always just kind of like what you felt like playing at the time? Uh, we we would write up a set list. It, it uh, was not always the same. But uh, we we would experiment with uh, you know the running order. In in the early days, we only had so many songs we could play. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we would experiment, but but we usually we usually ended up closing the show with Psycho Killer, and mm-hmm. uh, that was a. a a very popular favorite. Then, then later on, we would open the show with Psycho Killer because if if we didn't, if we if we waited to the end, people would be screaming Psycho Killer all through the show. You know, like in oh, between. Oh, that's songs. funny. That's great. Oh, how funny. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, well, it was you know, funny. I gotta I gotta ask you a question, uh, Chris. Also, you were very close to Richard Lloyd. Tell us about your relationship with Richard Lloyd television well uh you know uh richard lloyd was the the one of the sort of twin lead guitarists in television and uh he he uh he was really young tina always said he was one of the cutest boys at cbgb's (laughs) and uh and he uh he, I think he, he was one of the first people to understand that Talking Heads had something uh, unique. And, uh, you know, uh, yes, it was unusual, but it was also, uh, to him, very entertaining. And he, yeah. I think he enjoyed it. And uh, he, we were, he was like a man of few words at that time, at least, at least with me. But uh, he did have a little crush on Tina. Uh and uh he was he was friendly to us, um, unlike say Tom Verlaine, who was the other guitarist in, in television who was kind of snooty, you know, to really to everybody. But but wow. we didn't know that then. Um it, you know, it's just a personality trait that's not very attractive. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, Rich, but Richard uh Richard was always a lot of fun, and uh, you know, yes, he, he he later on he had some some uh, issues, um, you know, with his mental health and drugs and stuff. 
but he's doing very well now and uh, has a beautiful wife, lives down in Tennessee, and outside of Chattanooga, I think he lives on a farm, or at least in a farming oh, nice. area. And uh, mm-hmm. he has a studio in a barn, you know, and he, he loves it. And he, uh, he, he still tours. He still makes records. I think I played on his most recent record on one song. Oh, great. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he, was, uh, he was one of many good friends we made at, while we were at CBGB's. So you wrote in the mm-hmm. book that he studied under Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix taught him guitar, or is that true or not? Well, that's what everybody was was saying about Richard at, in the in the early days. But he, you know, he's written a book too called "Everything Is Combustible." Oh yeah, yeah, we pretty good. If uh, yeah, it is. must admit, and uh, what he explains in the book was he met Jimi Hendrix a few times through a friend of his. I forget the guy's name. Uh, he had, he had a, kind of a funny name. But the friend took took guitar lessons from Jimi Hendrix because they were kind of buddies. And mm-hmm. then then this guy would would show what he'd learned from Jimi Hendrix to Richard. And, and so he, he got kind of an indirect tutorial from Jimi Hendrix, yes. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That that went on you for know what years. I, that's yeah. that's funny. That that's really funny that he would write that, uh, and then that's great. No, but for anyone that's studying under Jimi Hendrix, I mean, come on, you know, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to make a really quick announcement that I didn't make at the beginning of the show. That sure. this show will be available on iTunes as a podcast, and also. If you'd like to call in, the number is 347-677-1036. We do screen our calls. So, um, yeah, just call in, and uh, afterwards it will be available as a podcast on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio as well. Um, So, yeah, there's no chat room right now because we're just running on really low energy right now. But, we do have, you can call in if you'd like, if anyone's listening that would like to call in and talk to Chris, myself, or Spencer. Um, we are available and ready to listen to you. Um, I know that Spencer and you go way back, and I know that Spencer's done some work with you and stuff. Um, but yeah. before we get into that, what I wanted to do was talk about, first let's talk about where somebody can like just anyone first of all where can they get the book remain in love i know it's on most of the major um you know yeah. outlets as far as like amazon and stuff like that yes um, it's on it's on amazon uh barnes and noble there's there's something called booksellers.com mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. which is an alternative to for those people who don't care to buy on amazon and uh you know i always say go go to your local bookstore and and ask them for it and if they don't have it ask them to they order it they can order it, it. yeah or they can order it right. be happy to you order know, absolutely and the um, beautiful book oh, i love the artwork much. on the front the, um, yeah do you it's like really, the really cover. nice do you like the cover? i love the cover, cover. <laughs> it was done it was designed by uh, a friend of mine who who is uh, a, 
professional book designer. Her name is Megan Wilson, and she, uh, mm-hmm. you, you, Spencer, you probably know Duncan Hannah. Or yeah. Did you read Duncan's book, Twenty First Century Boy? I never read that. So uh huh. I've read it. Oh, it's it's really good. I re- I, I recommend I read it. it. I will still read it. Mm-hmm. I'll read it. Good book. Yes. Well, she she designed Duncan's cover. Oh in, wow! Oh, I can fact, see that. In fact, they they've been living mm-hmm. together for many years, and um and and so I when I saw Duncan's cover, I I asked her would she do one for me, and she very kindly agreed to do so. Oh, and uh, yeah, I'm very happy with it. Oh, it's very nice. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful color. The colors really stand out. I love yeah, the really, colors yeah. that you chose. For it, especially oh, they, the red with all the muted everything, it just looks yeah, so they, great. Yeah, kind of. Uh, Spencer would know this. They they re, they reflect uh, the first Talking Heads album, Talking Heads '77, and also oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and also the album Remain in Light. So, yep. mm-hmm. which is 40 years old now. Uh, this, <laughs> wow. This year. Yeah, I, I like the We're going to have to have a party for that one. A party. I wish. Yeah, Chris, I, have a party. I, yeah, I, Chris, wish. I, like, I, I like the story on Remain in Light where it says, you say in the book that Tina turned the A's upside down in Remain in Light. You know, she it's something to do with mm-hmm. the lettering, the typography, you know. Yeah, although I think maybe that was Tibor Kalman who turned the A's upside down. Oh. Tina did all the rest. Oh, with, really? with my mm-hmm. uh the front wow. and the back and the the inside but but uh T I don't know if you knew Tibor yeah, uh, he was he, he was a, a gifted graphic designer but he, he tended to take credit for everything <laughs> you know the <laughs> guys, you know mm-hmm. and uh so you know, yeah, I got to tell you something, Chris. This is in my life, my design life. I would get jobs of working for a client that Tibor left. So Tibor would leave, and I would be the next designer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was very uh-huh. funny how we worked. But I knew him, and he did some really cool stuff with you. I know a little sleeve. There was a little forty-five sleeve that's very beautiful. Um, yeah, we we he he did some good work, but. I was kind of annoyed with him yeah. at one at one point in my life. Um, oh. But sadly, Tibor is no longer alive, so I don't want to say you know I don't want to right, say anything. Right, right, sure. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, you know what I want to ask really quick is um, uh, I know that since we're talking about the book Remain in Love, um, do you want to share any of the stories that really stand out to you that are in the book? With our listeners, yeah, that'd be kind of well, cool. Sure. Um, yeah, let's do it. How about? Uh, well, incidentally, I did make. If you're on Facebook, I did. I did uh, make some. Actually, my brother-in-law, who's a, a video guy, made uh, some little trailers for the book, little short mm-hmm. uh, vignettes that are animated. Mm-hmm. And and they're really fun. One one of them in particular was uh, uh, about the night that Lou Reed first came to see Talking Heads. Wow. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, we were 
we were big fans of Lou Reed and and the Velvet Underground. In fact, that's one of the reasons we moved to New York, as we thought, well, Lou Reed is there and Andy Warhol is there, and what else yeah. do we need to know? We're going to <laughs> New York. <laughs> but 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 um, Lou came to see us, and he really liked us. Talk when we were just a trio still. Mm. I think it was 1975. Wow. It might have. It might have been early 76, but anyway, it was early days, and um, Lou came to see us. He, he uh, invited us to, after the show, he invited us to come up to his apartment to shoot the breeze, you know, and, uh, you know, we didn't get off stage uh, the second set until like 2 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And so uh, we packed up our gear real fast and headed up to Lou's apartment. Uh, one, one of the f- first, t- one of the only times we actually paid for a taxi because we, you know, we were subway riders. But but we 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 shared the money for a taxi uptown. L- Lou lived, if you can imagine, uh, sort of catty corner across the street from Bloomingdale's. <laughs> and um, that was kind of unexpected. We, you know, he's a, sort of a downtown character, but no, he lived up there. And so we went into his apartment. It had a doorman, and you know, potted palms in the lobby. <clears throat> and uh, the doorman said, "Oh yes, Mr. Reed is expecting you. Go on up." And so we went up, and we were greeted at the door by Lou's um, girlfriend at the time, who was a trans person. Her name was Rachel. And uh, we had heard things about Rachel, that, like she was very protective of, of Lou, and uh, if she didn't like you, she would really freeze you out. But she must have liked us, because she invited us in, and uh, and uh, after, after we were inside, she quietly went, into the bedroom and closed the door while Lou uh, sat on the floor. He had no furniture except for one couch and one <laughs> bookshelf. And uh, we, 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 we sat on the couch and Lou sat on the floor and he started, you know, telling us, giving us advice. Like, like you said to David, David, you can't wear short sleeve sh- shirts on stage. Your arms are too fucking hairy. You've got <laughs> you got to you got to wear long sleeve shirts in the future. And um and he also said, "Now you know, they're going to a band is like a fist, and when you make a deal with a record company, they're going to try to massage one member of the band away from the rest of the band." massage one finger away and break it off and try to make it go solo. <laughs> and uh that was certainly true. And 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 then he said he got up. He he got up and he uh went to the the ki- kitchenette and he uh came back with a quart container of Haagen-Dazs vanilla ice cream. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and he sat down, sat down on the on the uh, floor again, and and then he realized he needed a spoon. He said, "Oh, I'm going to need a spoon for this." And so Tina said, "Okay, 
I'll get you a spoon, uh, you know. And she went into the kitchen, opened the drawer where the silverware would be, and there was only one spoon in the drawer, and it was all black. Oh, no. And bent. <laughs> and, wow. And, uh, That's funny. But that was the only spoon there, so she brought it to him, and and he used that funky spoon to eat the whole, oh, wow. eat the whole quart of haagen ice cream while he spoke. <laughs> and then... He said, you know, it was starting to get late. It was starting to be like, you know, the sun was going to come up. So so we, uh, we and we had, you know, we couldn't stay all night or anything. So he said, let's have breakfast. And so we went across, uh, across the street to a diner. And he then Lou, Lou ordered a, a large stack of pancakes, which he drenched in maple. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he he ate that, and uh, you know we had uh, birds special with uh, you know uh, scrambled eggs and bacon or whatever. Right, right. But Lou Lou went for the pancakes, <laughs> and uh, oh, that's funny. I know, and and uh, well, he he ended up wanting wanting to. Pr- he told us he wanted to produce us, and you can read about that in the book. That didn't really yeah. work. Out. Yeah. That didn't really work out, but he he um, he he re- we remained friends, and he was very helpful and encouraging. And oh, in great. fact, uh, fact uh, we, with Tom Tom Club later on, it, it, mm. many years later, we we um, I guess it was 1988. Um, so it was like over 10 years later, 12 years later. Uh, he. Um, we we were with Tom Tom Club. We were covering one of his songs from the first Velvet Underground album, called Femme Fatale, and uh, he, he I, I called him up and I said, Lou, we're doing this version of Femme Fatale. Would you like to play guitar on it? And he said yes. And he came came down to the studio and added guitar. Wow. And uh, meanwhile, we called up David and Jerry and we said, Look, Lou Reed is coming down. You want to come too and add something to the song, and so both of them came over to the studio, wow. and uh, uh, it's on our album called "Boom Boom Chi Boom Boom," which came out. Oh, really? In and oh, wow. and uh, Lou then performed the song live with us at CBGB's uh, after the record came out. Wow! Yeah. Wow. So one little anecdote from the from the book. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away everything, though. No. Oh, of course uh, not. Well, but I know you have a lot of stories in that book. <laughs> we both have read it, so we know. Yeah. So we want to know <laughs> the stories behind the stories, because you know there oh, are a lot of oh, stories. Oh. Don't, don't no no no. You know you know what. Spencer and I always say this. These are like stories. When we get people on the air and we ask them to share with them their feelings while they were making, you know, recording or making a movie or a book or whatever, whatever it may be, we always know they were like, you had to be their moment. Because there's a lot more that goes into it besides just the moment itself. But that was really, that was really painting a picture um, yeah. for us. Yeah. It was. 
Well, so. it was so exciting for us because, as mm-hmm. I said, uh, as I said, he he was one of the main reasons we even moved to New York. Right, right. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we had seen him perform on the uh, the um, Rock and Roll Animal tour. He came through Providence and played, and you know, it was a rather amazing show. And uh, and we we loved it, and uh, you know, of course the everything he did with the Velvet Underground we loved, and and also you know Walk on the Wild Side. So so uh, so that was a big moment, and yep. uh, and then through Duncan Hanna we got invited up to the factory. Duncan and a guy named Lance Loud. You might remember Lance Loud from the the early sort of reality television television show, um, An American Family. And Lance was the kid that came out of the closet um, while his parents were going through a divorce on national TV, and um, <laughs> he ended he ended up working for Interview Magazine. And he he had a band uh, at CBG that played CBGBs called the Mumps, and they were a good band. And uh, um, anyway, he, Lance dug the Talking Heads, and so he he was working at Interview, and he brought Andy Warhol down to see us, and then uh, along with Duncan Hanna, and uh, Andy said to Duncan something like. Oh, do you think they'd like to come up and have lunch at the factory? And <laughs> and Duncan said, "Yes, I think they would." And so we got that invitation and of course we uh accepted and that was a very big deal to to have lunch with Andy Warhol. That's right. That's right. Oh, wow. What was that like? Tell us about that day. I want to know what did you have for lunch? Do you even remember? Well, we want to I- know. It was. Uh, they were box lunches that came from a from oh, wow. one, of, one of Andy's favorite um, little uh, sandwich shops. And uh, uh-huh. now he had two types of lunches. He had what he called the artist lunch. That's what we had, which is a little <laughs> box lunch with um, you know a sandwich and potato chips and and he he had kind uh-huh. of an endless. Endless supply of absolute vodka. Wow. Oh, of course. Why not? Yeah, he (laughs) was endorsing absolute. So so, uh, he didn't have any vodka, but I I remember that I had quite a bit. Uh, And uh, (laughs) he took me aside at the end of the lunch and he said, you got to go easy on the vodka or you're going to lose your figure. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. And it, it was seriously. So, so oh, yeah, seriously, and, and that that was, turned out to be very true. <laughs> but but I'm getting it back that now though. <laughs> oh, you look great, Chris. You and Tina look fantastic. Hey, hey Chris, beautiful. I gotta bring up something. Uh, you guys are. Thank uh, you. Chris, I used to run really? um, underground underground movies in college, right? So I would go down to the factory, right? And I'd pick up movies. I met Andy, and I met Gerard Malanga. He was the guy, the connection I had down there. 
Yeah, Did Gerard. You know Gerard. Yeah, yeah, I, that was my connection at the factory also. Uh-huh. You know? We we when we went to the factory it was after Gerard. Gerard had uh, had a uh, Andy had a falling out with Gerard. Uh, oh, really? Wow. Oh, well, you know, Gerard was his personal ass- painting assistant and yeah. um when 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 we were there uh he had Andy had a n- new assistant Ronnie Catrone and uh Ronnie did you know he took over the the job that that Gerard had Gerard been doing was which doing. was wow. a lot of silk screening you know mm-hmm. but uh um what was i going to say Oh, Gerard was a poet, you know, and quite a good poet. Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah, was he also did some writing. Yeah, I remember that. He did some writing. In fact, when they had the Velvet Underground show in New York, which we were in with our uh, 93 tour uh, album cover, uh, they had uh, Gerard Malanga, some writings of his, I believe, there. So Yeah. I'm not surprised. That yeah. was his um that was his thing. But he, he was also the guy who cracked the whips on stage with the Velvet Underground. You know, he was like, uh, <laughs> he, he would he would dance and he had a bull whip and he would snap that whip. And uh, very sexy. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's funny. That is really great. That is that's funny. No, no, no. I'm laughing at that. I think that's funny that he says you got to watch the figure. <laughs> No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was... <laughs> oh, wow. So in my book, there's besides uh, more detailed accounts of of that lunch, there's also a, a photograph oh, wow. uh, that we took that day, and uh, it's one of my prized possessions. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I can. I. I mean, that's like really something that you keep forever. Um, yes, indeed. You know, I want to ask a question that a lot of people may not know, and if they haven't read the book or are new to Talking Heads, which I can't figure that out. I mean, you're like kind of <laughs> like the culture. Iconic. Um, Iconic. How yeah. did how did Talking Heads the name come to be, and then how did you two and Tina and uh, Tina meet? That's what I want to know. Oh well, uh, Tina, Tina and I met. Um, you know, we were both students at the Rhode Island School of Design. I was uh, sitting. The first time I saw her, I was sitting on the the Rhode Island School of Design campus, on this little park that's in the the center of the campus. Uh, the students call it the RISD Beach, and kids would sit there in between classes and. Uh, you know, exchange ideas and gossip and get high and stuff like that. And yeah. I was, was sitting there with one of the artist models, of, a fellow named Charlie, and everybody loved Charlie. He's a great, big, you know, uh, very, um, not like, not like a, a bodybuilder, but just like a big, strong guy. And, uh, yeah. Ch- Charlie was was one of the best artist models at the school, and he he could like stand on his head and hold a pose or, or do any oh, pose really? that teacher wanted and just just hold it for hours. 
But wow. but anyway, um, I was sitting there with Charlie, and everybody knew Charlie. That everybody ca- he called if he knew you, if he'd ever said hello to you even just once, he would call you his friend. He called everybody hello friend. Aww. Oh wow! Oh, that's so, sweet. Um, no, that's sweet. It is sweet. And so this was yeah. the be- the the beginning of uh let's see it was September of 1971, my sophomore year. I'm sitting there at the RISD beach with Charlie and all of a sudden this girl comes whizzing by on a <laughs> yellow three-speed kind of beat-up bicycle. And uh-huh. she's wearing she's wearing cut-off jeans, really short. And she has fantastic. <laughs> he remembers leg. the really short. Uh-huh. Yeah, and she's wearing a, a Breton, uh, you know, from France striped sailor shirt, blue and white. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, her her blonde shag haircut is oh. blowing in the breeze, you know. And I said, I said, you know, well, who I is just, that? I, Tell, have you ever experienced love at first sight? Yeah. Um, this was yeah. it for me. And I, wow. I, I saw her and I said, oh, and I I nudged Charlie. I said, Charlie, did you see her? And Charlie <laughs> said, oh, that's my, that's my friend. Her name is Martina. And I said, oh, oh my no. Martina. And then the next day, the very next day, I had a class, a, a figure painting class, uh, under uh, taught by Richard Merkin. And Richard Merkin was uh, quite a character, a, a, a real dandy, and, and an excellent painter, and a really excellent teacher. You know, some people say you can't teach art, but but Richard Merkin could teach art, and um, uh, he, he he in fact he. He's good friends with Sir Peter Blake, who designed the oh, Sergeant wow. Lonely Hearts yeah. Club Band yeah. album cover. And in fact, Richard's head is one of the many heads in the background on the on the oh, album. Oh wow! I think he's oh, next really? to. Oh really? Oh right, cool. He's like next to Mae West and right behind Muhammad Ali and Sonny wow. Liston. You know? So so. Richard Merkin, you know, had a reputation, and I, I went. I was looking forward to the class. I'm setting up my easel and my paint box and my palette, getting ready to paint the model. And I look across the room, and there is Martina. Ta-da. So I, Ta-da. oh Ta-da. man, she looks <laughs> even better today than she did yesterday. Yesterday. I, <laughs> That's great. That's really great. Yeah. No, that uh, is really sweet. And afterwards, I introduced myself, and um, Mm -hmm. it turned out that she already had a boyfriend, of course. You know, of course she would have a boyfriend. And, uh, uh, but but we became friends. Like, uh, truth is, I had a girlfriend also, a a different person was my girlfriend at the time. And, um, well... We became friends, and uh, then eventually, her, her, she and her boyfriend had a parting of the ways, and that's when I kind of stepped into the picture. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. 
What was your What was your first date? I want to know this. What Where did you guys go on your first <laughs> real date? I want to know. Well, um, you know, you know, uh, I think we didn't really. You know, we were in college. We didn't really do dates like like the way uh-huh. grown up do dates. Right. But we. Um, but. Uh, the truth is that that I would invite her over to my house uh-huh. uh, on Saturday mornings, and I would make omelets, and we would watch. Oh wow! Soul Train. <laughs> wow. Really? Soul Train. Are you kidding? I love that. Soul my parents is. gave me a when I went Are to college. Parents gave me a little That's black great. and white TV, little tiny portable TV, <laughs> and we we would watch. Soul Train, and we <laughs> really dug that, you know, and that yeah, that was yeah. that was the closest we came to a first date, I think. Wow, that's great! Oh wow, great did you guys get great up story. and dance during Soul Train, or did you guys just sit oh, there yeah. and watch it? Oh well, yeah, you we had would, to watch the Soul Train. You had we would to. dance, but we were not <laughs> like the the real Soul Train dancers could dance. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, hey. Chris, do you remember the announcer for Soul Train? Remember, remember Don Cornelius. He was a great guy. Yeah, Don Cornelius. I used to watch that all the time. I used to watch that all the time, Chris. Here's where we can here's where we can lead into a Tom Tom Club song that we actually years later, while we were shooting the movie Stop Making Sense in Los Angeles at the Pantages Theater, we were invited to appear on Soul Train as Tom oh, Tom. And oh, so wow. we did the show. Oh, uh-huh. wow. That's great. There you go. There you go. That's and, like memories. Uh, we performed Genius of Love. Oh, wow. Great. Oh, wow. Love that. And, uh, yeah. and another song. I, I'm not sure which. I guess the other song was Pleasure of Love, which is from the second album. But we, uh, that, was, that was like a dream come true for us to, to actually be on Soul Train. Wow. Yeah. But isn't that isn't that a trip? Here you were all you guys were watching Soul Train and then all of a sudden I'm I was gonna ask <laughs> you, did you ever picture yourself on Soul Train playing? And then here you are on Soul Train. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we're ending with our, our show today with Genius of Love, which is really funny. Um Good. Oh, so listen, you know, Holly, so, let me let me come in here. Let me come in here. Uh, Chris, finish I'm sorry, the question. What? I couldn't hear you. Finish the question. Go ahead. I was, I'm going to ask Chris, finish the question that Holly wanted. Uh, how did you get the name Talking Heads? Oh, oh. Yeah. We had a we had a friend, another RISD kid, who was uh, visiting us in New York, and he was crashing on our sofa in our loft. And uh, his name was Wayne Zeeve. His his real name was Michael Zeeve, but he preferred Wayne, so he called himself Wayne, and and he uh, he he was he knew that we were looking for a band name, uh, and we were about to perf- do our first show at CBGB's, our our audition, which was you know playing before the Ramones one night, and. Um, we needed a name, and he said, he could see we were kind of struggling to decide on a, a on a name. We had lots of ideas, but nothing really stuck. And, and he said, 
Well, I was reading TV Guide, and in TV Guide they had a, a glossary of TV uh, terminology. And one of, one of the terms that's used by cameramen and broadcasters is a talking head. Talking head uh, signifies the most boring but also the most informative form of broadcasting. Ah. And we thought, mm-hmm. talk heads, talking heads, that sounds cool, that sounds hip. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a heavy metal band or a country band or whatever. Maybe it sounds like a comedy team or something, <laughs> but, but we'll, we liked that name. We all agreed, and uh, we had, Tina and I had little T-shirts made up. Uh, that said talking heads on them, and we went walking through Washington Square Park on a busy afternoon to uh, to see if any people, you know, had any reaction to it. <laughs> and most people said, are you guys, talking heads, is that a band? Are you guys in a band? Wow. And one guy, one guy said, oh, that's a terrible name. Well, <laughs> but most people agreed that it was really a uh, yeah. yeah, they they thought it was a band name, so oh we, no, it's perfect. We decided yeah, to perfect. stick with that, and the T-shirt mm-hmm. that Tina made up that says "Talking Heads" it's black with silver, you know, iron-on letters, is now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame museum. Yeah. 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 But one thing I, I want yeah, to say here that's is very, very important. Cool. Yeah, the one thing I want to say here is very important, Chris. You guys are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? We are, yeah. Yeah, of course. It's pretty yeah. wild. Us and Bo Diddley. <laughs> right, Bo Diddley, man. That's right. I love Bo Diddley, but oh, but me too, me too. You know, say what you will about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If it's relevant, if it's fair, if it's not fair. You can say what you will, but I can tell you, if you're in a band and they call you up and say, we'd like to induct you into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's that is a good day. That is a good mm-hmm. phone call. Yeah. You know what, uh, Chris, I want to bring up something. Because Judith, my partner Judith and I are in the vinyl collection. We They actually gave us our own archival mm. collection, which is very – no one has that in music design, so we're very honored and I, I want to tell you, the idea that they recognize album cover design, the idea that it's mixed with the musicians, I think that's fantastic. Grammys don't even do that, you know? Well, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm glad they do at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And also also at the Museum of Modern Art. Right. We're in MoMA together, you know. We're in Fear of Music Center. Right. That's right, baby. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Love it. Yeah. So that's that's yeah, how you the guys name... are. You guys are everywhere. Where are you guys not at? <laughs> yeah. Funny. I know. And now I we're know. even on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. See, Ooh, that's yeah. awesome. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I wanted to say really quick? The song that we're going to end with is five minutes long, and we have three minutes left on the air. Oh, well, you can fade it out. It's all right. No, well, I wanted to say, I wanted to say to um, you personally that we love having you on because I, I think you've been on a couple times, and um, 
Yeah, definitely. And the Remain in Love book is really a great insight to so many different things and such great stories. And I know Spencer and I both agree on that. And uh, yep, your music is iconic, Chris. Um, well, thank you. Know, you. I, I mean, you know, I, I was very I was watching. No, you are. I was watching Down and Out in Beverly Hills the other night, and your song came on. So right, that was, right. That was like, oh my god! You know, I was like, I know, know that's such that a song. funny movie. That's great. <laughs> it it's is. a great film. It's a really great it film. Is. Yeah. It is. It is. So with that, Spence, did you have anything more you wanted to ask Chris before no, I, I ended the uh, show? No, I, I think that's it. Uh, it's a wonderful book, and like Holly says, uh, everybody out there buy it. It's got great stories, and I'm so honored in my life to be part of the life of Talking Heads with music design, and uh, they're just incredible artists. All of them were great designers, you know, and great artists, so it was a pleasure working in that end. And, uh, Chris, the book is outrageous, and I can't say enough about it. It's beyond words. Yeah, it's, it's an really awesome wonderful. book. And I wanted to say really quick, Chris France, um, Chris France, the talking head is on WPKN, and yeah, uh, that is a radio right. show that you host. So um, yes. what days is that on really quick? So before well, I, I play this song, I really want to play it. Okay. It, it's Fridays. Uh, it's it's on uh, New, East Coast time, East Eastern time. It's from... Four o'clock in the afternoon till ten of seven. Oh, okay. It, it's yeah, on you're the on, last. You're on when we're you're on. I think when we're on um, when we do our shows um, sometimes on, on Fridays. I'm and only I on the last. Say, I'm on the yeah. last Friday. Last Friday of every month, so I'm only oh, on oh, that's once. That's awesome. A, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, that's WPKN. And yes. it's called Chris France, the Talking Head. And I wanted to say this Friday, guys, tune in because we're going to be having the T-Rex and Mark Bolan All-Star Tribute, um, oh. which a lot of amazing guests we're not even going to say are going to be calling show. in. I've already <laughs> posted it on Facebook, but we want right. to say that this is a very important show that we're doing right now with you, Chris. And we thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, yep. It's really oh, it's important to both Holly. of us. Uh, thank you for uh, being interested, and I appreciate it very much. Well, we so will, much we more than that. You're just part of our life. So, <laughs> you know, say you hello are. to Tina. Chris, say hello to yeah, Tina give from us. Yeah, our best, please. Yeah, I, I'm happy to do that, and, uh, and uh, she'll be glad to hear from you. Good. Oh, yeah. And for <laughs> everyone listening out there, you can catch it after if you missed any of it on um, iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio with both myself and Spencer Drake and Chris France of the Talking Heads yeah. Remain in Love. Go get your go get your book. And with right. that, we'll see everyone Friday with the T Rex and Mark Bolan All Star Tribute. And here's Genius of Love. I'll talk to you later. Okay, yeah. bye. Bye. Okay, I didn't know if you guys were still there. Okay. <laughs> you all come back right. again. <laughs> I know. I know. Y'all come back now, you hear?
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 